What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We are on episode 37, and we're going to dive into chapter 3 of Philippians. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. I can't believe we're already halfway done with this book. It's such a short book. I know, and I I feel like I want to stay here longer. Yeah, but it's so good and so full of good stuff, as every book in the Bible is. (laughs) If we're being honest. So let's go ahead and dive right in. This is Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. So I love how he starts chapter 3 with saying, finally. (laughs) And we're halfway through the book. I know. It's so funny. It always reminds me of church when they're like, okay, and my last point. And then it goes on for like 20 minutes. I'm it like, happens all the time. All the time. It <laughs> makes me laugh. So classic. So classic. So anyways, I love how he talks about rejoicing. We, we've seen this as a theme, joy, and um, and we'll continue to see this throughout this chat or throughout the whole book, actually. But I love how he says, finally, my brother. So like, if you're going to make your last point, which we know there's two more chapters, so this isn't technically his last point, but he's thinking it's going to be his last point, right? Because he's saying finally. But I love how whenever it's your last point, like when we think about Jesus and he's giving the great commission, like he's like, here is the the thing I want you to be thinking about. It's my last thing I'm going to tell you. So like if you're talking to your friends or you're, it's the last time you're going to see somebody for a while, you save the most important thing right. for last so that they remember it when you leave. So he's like, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And he says, it's no trouble to me to say this to you again because he knows the value of rejoicing and not just rejoicing, but rejoicing in the Lord, which I think is so key because it's easy for us to maybe rejoice in our circumstances at this moment or right. rejoice in the fact, like today, this morning, I found a place that has dairy-free <laughs> and gluten-free donuts, which to me, this is a huge thing. I mean, we drove like an hour out of our way to family camp to meet it, for me to get a gluten-free donut because this is not a common thing. So the fact that I found one this morning, I was like rejoicing, okay? <laughs> but that's not what he's talking about here. He's saying rejoice in the Lord. and that's, Maybe the Lord gave you that donut. Oh, preach it, girl. <laughs> he did. All, what, what is James... 117 Zay, right? All good, perfect exactly. gifts are from above. Exactly. So. <laughs> is that blasphemous? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> so derailed right now. But the point is that he's saying to rejoice in the Lord. And I think that's that's key for us to, to understand what that means when we say rejoice in the Lord. Because as we'll see as we talk more throughout these chapters, Paul, remember, he's in prison and he's still able to say rejoice in the Lord and that he is actually doing that. He's just not telling them to do that, but he's doing it as well. Mm -hmm. because his foundation and his identity is so rooted in Christ. Like we talked about um, last week that he says, you know, for to live is Christ, to die is gain, and that he he truly believes that, and his identity is so rooted um, in God that he's, he, he is joyful. He is able to be joyful because he is in the Lord. And another thing I love about this, um, which I think sometimes we have a hard time with as Christians, and maybe we can talk this out a little bit, is that God wants us to rejoice. And sometimes I think we get confused about what that looks like for us because um, sometimes we think if we find joy in donuts that we're somehow taking joy away 
from finding our joy in the Lord. So there is this whole kind of subculture of like somberness yes. within mm-hmm. Christians where it's like, oh, if you're really excited about your coffee today, then that means you're not finding your joy in the Lord. You're finding your joy in coffee. And I'm like, come on. No, I can do both. Okay. Well, not me. I don't so, like coffee. Um, so this I'm is a bad like analogy. over here dying because all I can think is hashtag blessed. <laughs> We have had this conversation in our life group multiple times, but I think that that's kind of um, where some of that has started and people have kind of gone to the other extreme because you saw for so long, and I think you probably still see it some, but for so long, you know, I got a good parking spot, hashtag blessed, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, free drink at Sonic, hashtag blessed. and Or Bruno Mars. Bruno Hashtag Mars. list. I don't know what oh, he talks about in that song. That's the only oh, line yes, I remember. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. And I think that for some of us, we're, it felt like that was kind of making light of mm-hmm. the Bible right, and of right. what it means to truly be blessed. Mm-hmm. And so I think that sometimes we kind of go the opposite direction because we don't want to make light of it. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think it is okay to be happy. And that's not what rejoicing, rejoicing doesn't always mean being happy true, necessarily. True, good point. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but I think it is okay to rejoice in these good gifts that God has given us mm-hmm. um, and to claim that they are good gifts from God. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're right. I don't think that we are called to be somber all the time right. and to never be happy and to always have to, you know, I, there's also another trend like in social media that if you say something good, you also have to say something right. bad. It's like you have to balance it out. And I don't think that's necessarily what we're called to do. It's okay to have a good day. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be happy about things. And then it's also okay to rejoice in those hard times and to say that on social media. Right. Like you're not acting like you're holier than thou or anything. Like if your child is sick and you're saying on social media, so-and-so is sick and feeling really bad, but I'm going to rejoice in the Lord anyway. And that is coming from a Mm -hmm. place of sincerity. It is okay. And Mm -hmm. it's good to say that you're not bragging. You're not trying to be something you're not like, that's what the Lord wants for us to do. So that's okay too. So I think you're right. I think there's all these different, like, I don't know, like thoughts out there. And, um, some people think you're supposed to be this way. Some people think you're supposed to be this way. And I think it comes down once again to checking your heart Mm -hmm. and, um, just living in who God wants you to be. Yes. That's good. That's good. I mean, we see it in the Bible. We see it in John, you know, 10, 10, that it says that he, Jesus came to, for us to have life and to have it abundantly. And I think that that ties with joy. And it's so interesting. I, read this um, fact, I guess it is, you know me and my fun facts, that um, the word joy and rejoice is found more in the little short Philippians than it is in any other of Paul's letters. So I thought, and which is so interesting considering his circumstances at at that time. But I think um, still talking about this joy, I know we're spending a lot of time on this first little section, but that's because I love joy and rejoicing and all of that. And and I think it is a tricky concept right now in our culture, Mm -hmm. like we're talking about, but if you think about it this way, um, one way we can show God our love is through joy and rejoicing. Because think about it as um, maybe as with your best friend or with your spouse. Like if they just came to you and were like, hey, you know, I guess we can hang out. I, I don't really want to spend time with you right now, but I guess we can be together. You'd be like, I don't want that. No. But it says like rejoice in the Lord. So when we come and spend time with God, like and 
and we do it rejoicingly. Like that's what we want from our relationships with people. Don't right. you think God mm-hmm. wants that from us and for us mm-hmm. that, it, you know, he, I don't want someone to begrudgingly hang out with me. Like, yeah, I guess I'll spend time with you. But sometimes we do that with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there is seasons like that. And you, you know, you keep being faithful and consistent. And, and you pray for that joy. Yes. Like we talked about before. Yes. We can ask God to give us that joy through your word. Give us joy to come to you and mm-hmm. to have this relationship with you. We can be honest with him. Exactly. He knows our heart anyways. Yes. So why not just say it out loud? Yeah. And it goes so well with um, what we talked about a few verses back in chapter two, where it says that it is God who is the one who is working to give you both the desire desire and the, the will, will and the work mm-hmm. to work out his purpose. So not only does he want to give us joy, but he also works in our hearts to desire to spend more time with him, which will ultimately lead us to more joy. So mm-hmm. I, I just think that's, um, that's a really cool, cool thing that God does. Yes, it is. Okay. So moving on, this is, um, chapter three verses three through nine. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. Also, if anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law a Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So much good stuff in here. So to break this down into um, make it a little more understandable, because he's saying a lot of things in here, right? So he's saying, you know, I had all the reason to put confidence in the flesh. I was circumcised on the eighth day, people of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, which all of this stuff might not really mean anything to us. But at that time, he was basically saying, like, let's put it in our own terms. He was basically saying, I don't ever speed. I was Mm -hmm. raised in a Christian home. I've never told a lie, which... That would be a lie. But, you know, he's (laughs) listing all of these things that would make him seem very holy or very righteous according to the... the law at that time. So even though it doesn't really make sense to us when we says I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, we're like, what does that even mean? That would be like us saying, you know, I've um, been on the prayer team my whole life or something that we would consider as holy or righteous. I mean, he's saying I, you know, I did all these things, um, experienced all these things, was born into all these things. And then he says, I count it all. And I love how how it says rubbish. Rubbish. (laughs) I feel like I want to say that with a British accent. Rubbish. (laughs) But um, it's so interesting to me because it's very aggressive. Like that term, like instead of saying, and those things are good, but they're not as good as knowing Jesus. He doesn't right. say that. He says, I count it all as rubbish. He says it's trash. Yes. It's trash. Which is, I mean, I like Paul because I'm an aggressive person and he's pretty aggressive. So I, I really like him for that. But at the same time, I think sometimes we just read that as, oh, he doesn't, it doesn't really matter to him. No, he's saying it's all worthless mm-hmm. because what people think and they used to think and they think to this day is that, you know, what, what Jesus started by dying on the cross for us, we have to finish. We have to finish by, you know, living a certain way. Like he started the process of salvation and then we have to finish it. And that could not be further from the truth. And we hear Paul say that to the church of Galatians is he calls them fools. He says, Oh, you fools. You think what God started, you have to finish. And I just, 
I think it's so important for us to remember, as he says in verses um, 9 and 10, and, or does it start in 8? Let's see. No, so he says, and not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And I think for us, it's really important to read those verses and not just read those verses. Mm -hmm. Like think about what that says about God. Think about what that says about you and think about how you can live according to that. Because in theory, we accept that as truth. But then when we try to walk it out, at least for me, I, I try to then what Jesus started and that, that righteousness that was given to me, I then try to add on to it by saying, okay, I need to be the, the most productive wife I can be today. I need to be the best mom. And those things are good things. But if we start to find that that's what earns us favor with God, then we're missing the whole point. That's right. And that... um hear what he's talking about. And I love how clearly he says it when he says that it's not a righteousness of my own. Like there is nothing he could have done, even though it seems like he was very righteous on his own by all of those things he listed that, that, that is rubbish. It is not a righteousness of his own that, but it, but that which comes through my faith in Christ and the righteousness that from God that depends on faith. So he's saying faith in Christ is what makes you righteous. And we see that all the way back to Abraham. And um, it's talked about um, in Genesis, or is it Exodus? No, Genesis. And then they talk about it in Romans. They talk about it, I think, in Ephesians. Yeah, in Ephesians. It's in it's all, all throughout. the Bible. And it, every time they say, and think about Abraham and how his righteousness was credited to him because of his faith. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're saying everything in the Bible points to Jesus, even all the way back to Abraham. But everything in the Bible also reminds us that it was not anything that we have done or we have earned, but it is because of our faith that at that moment that we put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we are given his righteousness. Our sin is not just taken away and we're a blank slate, but instead that sin is taken away and it replaced with Christ's righteousness. And I think, um, there's just so much gospel truth in this that we sometimes read through it real quick and think, mm -hmm. oh, Paul had all these wonderful things, but he counted it as rubbish, and then he believed in Jesus, and then now I'm going to go about my day. But if you stop and really think about what does that mean? Like, how am I actually filled with Christ's righteousness? How do I live in a way that displays that? It makes it so much more real, mm -hmm. would you say? Yeah. Yeah, I, we've talked about imputed righteousness before, which mm -hmm. is what Aaron's refer, referring to. That's the technical term for it. And we talked about it back in our gospel episodes, but that's something that I struggle with every day. Mm -hmm. and, and I think a lot of us do just knowing that we have the righteousness of Christ. Like mm -hmm. all of those bad things, they are gone. They're not just covered, like they're gone. Yeah, yeah. And we have Christ's righteousness. And yeah, like I feel like so many times we don't live in that. Mm -hmm. We live in the guilt and the shame of knowing or feeling like we're not good enough. And we aren't, but Christ is and he's got us. Yeah. Like he, he's got us. So, yeah. And it all comes full circle because then it's like that forces, not forces you, but accepting that truth and realizing what that means for you causes you to rejoice in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like oh, there's yeah. no way you can think, you know, I'm full of sin and then you're covered, like you're saying, and you're imputed with righteousness and then you're going to be like bummed about it. Right. Like, no, no, obviously. Then you're going to rejoice in the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Yes, for sure. 
Okay, so verses 10 through 14 say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to do uh, to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I think the way this one is worded can be a little confusing because yeah. he kind of says his goal before he says that it is his goal, if that makes sense. So if we look at verse 10, it's he says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And then he goes on, but those, those two things, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Then he goes on to say, not that I've already obtained this, but this is my goal to press on towards these things. And I think that when we have a goal, I love that he uses the word goal, first of all, because he could have just said, this is my aim or this is my dream or this is what I'm working on. But when you set a goal, you you have these kind of action steps mm-hmm. or you have this one thing you're focused on and you have a plan to get there. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he uses that word, I think it makes it relatable to us because most of us, if we're being honest, at some point in our lives have said, this is my goal Mm -hmm. is to graduate college or my goal is to lose 10 pounds or my goal is whatever. And um, not that any of those goals are anywhere near the goal that Paul is talking about, you know, and knowing God, but the fact that he's using the word goal means that he has some sort of plan to get there. And sometimes personally, I struggle with that because I think, okay, my, if I'm going to say my goal, maybe I would say my goal is, you know, to live, to glorify God. That is definitely the best goal we could ever have. But at the same time, I'm like, but what am I actually doing to get to that? Kind of like what we talked about when saying, how would you want Paul to describe you? Well, what are you doing that would make Paul describe you that way? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good point for us to kind of stop at this, this verse and think, okay, well, what actually is my goal and, and what am I doing to do that? If my goal is to glorify God, that's a very righteous goal. But what am I doing to actually glorify God? Mm-hmm. What am I doing to to reach towards that goal? And another thing that he says that, um, let's talk this out a little bit, Casey. But another thing he says is that he's forgetting what lies behind. This is verse 13. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Why do you think he makes that point of saying forgetting what lies behind? Because he could have just said, this is my goal. But he says, I'm forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Why do you think that's so important? I think there's several things that we can think about when, um, or we, that we can kind of compare this to. And I think it's him saying, you can't dwell on the past. Mm. Because if you are living in the past or you think if you're thinking about what has already happened and maybe your mistakes that you made yesterday, then you can't fully focus on what's ahead of you. So I was thinking about it like this. I was thinking about like if you have an argument with um, your spouse or even one of your friends, Mm -hmm. like if you don't get that resolved, if you don't put that in the past, if you don't 
forget and forgive, basically, Mm -hmm. then your relationship with them in the future is not going to be what it could be. You cannot focus on your future, your current and future relationship if you don't put those other things behind you. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's what he's saying. I think he's I think he might be referring to um, some of these things that he considers rubbish, Uh you know, um, and just kind of putting the past behind him and straining towards the future and realizing that he has been um, given this righteousness of Christ and living in that and letting that propel him to this goal. Mm -hmm. That's good. So let's make this like super practical for people. So if you are struggling with like letting the past go and what, what behind you, do you have any like encouragement or advice on how to do that? Oh man, that's tough. I struggle with this. Um, I think the guilt and shame of your past, um, or even, you know, just hard things, even pain and suffering. And, um, I think it's a discipline. Mm -hmm. I think that, um, spending time in prayer, I think that talking it out with friends, living in that community of, um, being able to kind of talk through things, but I think it is work. I don't think it's going to come naturally. I don't think it's something that you can just say, Oh, I'm going to forget that and move on. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is for some people, but I think for most people, there are things that want to hold you back. There Mm -hmm. are things that stay in your head. You know, the enemy does not want us to press on towards that goal. So he's going to do whatever he can to make you dwell in those past things. So I think it's just being proactive to 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 work on putting it behind you and moving on. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's okay. helpful. I think that's okay. really helpful. Um, another thing that I think is really interesting and maybe we should slow down and talk about and think about is that he says in verse 10, you know, he's talking about his imputed righteousness that comes from God that depends on faith. And then he goes right into saying, that I may know him. And I think this is a weird concept for us to try to understand in this day and age because we have Facebook and we have um, all these social media things where, like, we think we know people, but really we just (laughs) know about them. And it was funny. I was listening to a um, Matt Chandler sermon, of course, and uh, he was talking. He gave this whole description. He was like describing this guy he's like he has a puppy and he has six grandkids and he said his name and he was saying all this stuff about him and he's like don't you guys think we're good friends and and everybody was like yeah and he's like I've never met this guy I just look at his Facebook profile and he's like this is what a lot of us do with God oh wow we That's learn so all true. these facts about yeah. him and we have all this knowledge of who he is and all this stuff but but do we truly know him? Mm. And th- and this is not a concept that is easy to kind of grasp, but yeah. I think it is a good reflect like reflection point to ask ourselves, like, do we know God or do we know about him? Mm. And he's saying that he's pressing on towards this goal to know God because of what God has done in his life and given him this righteousness that he wants to know him. And and so some maybe some practical things on on what's the difference is I think not gaining knowledge for knowledge sake yes. is one and not just, you know, for me, this is a hard one because, um, I like naturally more to study scripture, almost more of intellectually. And, um, a, a lot of women do this, but a lot of women also study the scripture more emotionally. So I think balancing those two things helps because yes, as we've talked about context matters, the facts matters, the history matters, all of that intellectual stuff matters. But if you're only doing that and not allowing um, 
your whole self to come to the scripture, including your emotions and um, letting the spirit guide you, then you might just be learning facts about God. So I think making an effort to study the scriptures intellectually, but also emotionally can help us to get to know know God, not know about him. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other helpful hints on that? No, I think that's really good. And we'll talk about that a little more in chapter four, but I think it is important to use your mind and your heart. And I think that some of us are more bent Mm -hmm. one way um, versus the other, but I I think both are very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is verses uh, 15 and 16. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any, in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So when he says in 15, let those of us who are mature think this way, when he's saying this way, he's talking about everything that he's already talked about. So he's talking about remembering that our righteousness is not of our own and that we are to called to know God and the power of his resurrection. But we're also called to forget what lies behind and be striving towards what lies ahead and um, reaching for this goal. And so I think it's interesting how he's saying, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. What do you think he's talking about? And how do you think God reveals to us that um, sometimes our thinking gets skewed or that maybe we're not remembering to press forward or we're dwelling too much on the past or we're forgetting about knowing him? Like, what are some ways you think God reveals that to us? I think, first of all, we um, have to start with the Bible. Mm-hmm. I think that that um, is is the place where you have to start and spending time in his word God will reveal things to you. But I also think that going beyond that, I think that this is where community and discipleship is really, really important. You have these people in your life that um, kind of act as a, uh, I can't even think of the word, but like sandpaper sandpaper (laughs) that is not the word I was looking for I saw something the other day that somebody said that they're like sandpaper people can be like sandpaper it kind of it refines you and you come out more polished but then it was like a bad thing because it was like and then they end up useless oh oh geez no that's sandpaper was not what I was looking for (laughs) kind of I keep thinking of like a guard like I keep thinking of like oh guardrails yeah guardrails kind of yeah kind of like that to um to just kind of to tell you Mm -hmm. to tell you if you've gone off track to tell you if you know how you're interpreting things what blind spots right to to just be there for you like you when you're in community or when you're in a discipleship relationship like part of the whole premise of it is that honesty Mm -hmm. and the knowing each other like Mm -hmm. we talked about before and when you truly know each other when you truly love each other when you're honest with each other they're going to be able to tell you hey I think you're going off off the road a little bit here and mm-hmm. um, they'll be able to speak truth into you they might see things in ways that you don't see them earlier Aaron was asking me a question about how um, to respond to something and I said you know what Let, I, like send that to me I'm gonna discuss this with Jonathan because he'll have a different perspective than mm-hmm. the two of us do and I think that it's so important to have these people in your life that are going to speak truth and life into you and um, really help you see things in a way that sometimes you can't see because your own emotions Mm -hmm. or your own experiences even. I I remember talking about um, with Hannah about her experience at the museum with the with the 
the shooting that yeah. happened. Yeah. And how I said, no, like your experience, that completely shapes who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so true. I think that um, the things we have walked through, it kind of, it makes us view life in a different way. So having someone that hasn't walked through the same experiences speak life into you um, is just a really, really valuable thing. Yeah. I agree hundred percent. I think discipleship is a major way that God can reveal things to us, especially, you know, things that like you're saying, our experience has shaped, even when thinking about things about God, like the way that you view God is very much, um, especially as a new believer can be very much dependent on how you were raised Mm -hmm. or, you know, things that you heard over and over and over again. Um, one of the ladies that I look up to would consider a mentor. She said, you know, she always heard that, that, you know, God is only ever heard about God being high and lifted up and holy. And so she just thought God was always so distant. And she, yeah. as an adult, the first time she heard God loves you like a father, she was like, that's not true. Oh, wow. And it took her a long time to kind of break through that. But I think, you know, God does use other people and the church mm-hmm. um, and, you know, his holy scripture and in so many ways to reveal things that um, we might not otherwise recognize about mm-hmm. um, how we're not viewing things correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, And he goes on right after that, after he says, God will reveal that to you also. He says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. And I think we've talked about this before on the podcast of how we need to hold true to what is true, Mm -hmm. right? And and so we have to kind of have walk this tension of um, holding true to what is true that we've been shown through the scriptures, but also being open to discipleship and realizing maybe we something we thought was true wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so it really does take a big discernment factor in there. But also I think it's important to know that if you are walking in discipleship, that you do need to um, listen to that discipleship, but also test everything back to scripture. Yes. Because whoever is discipling you also may have their own perspective. They're also human yes. and simple. Yes. yes. So anyways, that's an interesting tension we have to walk. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Okay, 17, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. A lot of good stuff in here, but let's just first talk about the fact that he's going to transform our lowly body to like his glorious body. Praise be. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I just love that he throws that in there because it's kind of out of context if you're reading the whole chapter. But I'm like, oh, thanks for that reminder. That's going to be awesome. And all the mamas say, amen. amen. <laughs> but, but going back up, we hear um, Paul speaking about how some people have become enemies of the cross and that their end is their destruction, he says, and that their God is their belly and their glory and their shame with their mindset on earth, earthly things. And I think a lot of times this sounds extreme, but if we think about it and if we look around us, their God is their belly. Like we could so say that about 
ourselves sometimes, but just like about culture at large, like their God is their belly. Like they just do whatever they want in that moment, whatever they're hungry for, they go get it. Mm -hmm. And then they're hungry again because nothing satisfies except Mm -hmm. Jesus. And so it's, it's relatable to us. We can understand because we see that today. And he says their end is their destruction. Like there is no way that if you make your belly, your God, or if you make your desires, your God, or if you make your you know, your happiness or whatever it is, whatever makes you feel good in that moment, you know, which is what's being preached at us over and over again, right. whatever makes you happy right now, go do that. Like if your husband's not making you happy, go find another one. If this is, if your job's not making you happy, go find another one. If this isn't making you happy. And there's so much more we could talk about, about this, but the main point that he's saying is that there is nothing on this earth that is going to satisfy you outside of Jesus. And mm-hmm. there's a C.S. Lewis quote, and we all know at this point that I am not a good quoter if I don't have it <laughs> written in front of me, but I'm going to do my best. But he says something like that. We all have this hunger for something that cannot be satisfied, which means we are made for something more. Mm. We are made for yes. another place. I forget yes. what the exact word is. I should have written this down. But the point is exactly the point that Paul is making here when he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform. And then he goes on. But the point is that he's saying that our citizenship is in heaven. And if we stop for a moment and think like, do we think like that? I don't know if I always think like that. Mm -mm. And the word citizenship might not mean that much to us right now. But I mean, even a hundred years ago, the fact of where you were a citizen meant so much about you. There was so much pride in where you were from and where you lived that if you were to identify yourself, you would say, hi, I'm Aaron, I'm American or whatever. It would be Mm -hmm. one of your first identifying factors. And now we don't think that way. So we think, you know, hi, I'm Aaron, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I am a Christian and, and, and all of those things. But we wouldn't, I don't think I would really ever say, and I'm American. Now we do live in Texas. So I probably would say I'm a Texan because we have some major Texas pride going on here. That's so true. But I think it's important for us to know because he's saying our citizenship is in heaven. And so then if our citizenship is in heaven, then we're kind of on like a trip here yeah. or like a vacation or we're, our home is not on earth. Yep. And we've heard that before, but as we close out this chapter and as you go about this week, maybe make this your goal to every, you know, every time you think about a decision that you have to make or um, a conversation you have to have or before you leave for work or whatever it is, maybe reminding yourself, like, this is not my place. I am here to be an ambassador for Christ, to love him, to know him, to make him known, and that my citizenship is in heaven. Then it almost kind of makes it feel like you're on this, like, fun trip and you have a goal and you have a purpose and that purpose is to be lived out every day to know Jesus and to make him known and that you know when you go on a vacation and you're like enjoying it yes there is hardship and there is travel and it is stressful but at the end of the day you're on this trip to for a purpose and our purpose here like we're like I've said like three times now is to love Jesus and to make him known and so when we remind ourselves that our home is in heaven then then that kind of puts perspective and puts you know a little what's the rubber meets the road I don't mm-hmm. know what the word is but can give you that 
oomph you need yeah. to go to work to remind yourself, okay, this work is not my purpose. This work is not my home, but I, I can live in this place and steward it well and, and do what I'm called to do, reminding myself that my identity is not found in it. And I think sometimes that's why we feel like aliens here. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been so many times that I just, I've told Jonathan, I'm like, with tears in my eyes, I'm like, I don't fit in and from the time I was and I'm gonna start crying now because this is very emotional for me like from the time I was a little girl I have felt like I didn't fit in Mm -hmm. and I heard on another podcast the other day they were talking about midterm elections and they were talking about um how when you come out we because we just had them a few weeks ago and when they were saying when you walk out of the polling place that it's okay to have this uneasy feeling no matter how you voted because there's not going to be the perfect candidate. You're not going to be able to vote perfectly because this is not our home. Mm. Like they, We're supposed to feel like strangers mm. here. And remembering that, um, that helps me a lot yeah. because I do feel like a stranger a lot. And so I just want to encourage you a little bit that if you do don't feel like you fit in if you um, feel like, you know, when you're sharing, when you're sharing Christ with people, like it, it just feels, um, I don't know, like it just feels kind of weird. Yeah. Like that's okay mm-hmm. because this isn't our home mm-hmm. and we're not supposed to fit in here. Yeah. So. Yeah, anyway. that's good. That is encouraging. All right. So we want to give a little teaser for next week. Yes. Okay. So I am going to read. Goodness, I just love all of chapter four, so it's car- yeah. it's hard to figure out what to read. But I'm gonna probably read the most po- one of the most popular verses in the whole um, book of the Bible uh, because we are going to spend a lot of time on that next week. So here we go. Not that, and this is uh, chapter four, verses eleven through thirteen. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox.